to White Rabbit Podcast with Catalyst Jones, where your reality might be challenged. So leave your feelings at the fucking door, and let's dive down some rabbit holes. And let's dive down some rabbit holes. And let's dive down some rabbit holes. Liberal Advisory. Truthful content. Lizard Illuminati. A new world order. successful we have a real chance at this new world order they sound crazy so who cares who cares but but it could totally 100 percent be true because we know the government's lies about every single thing Welcome, fellow truthers and conspiracy junkies, to another episode of White Rabbit. I am your host, Catalyst Jones, and I'm really excited about this next guest, man. This has been a long, long, long time in the making. Um, this gentleman reached out to me, man, I, it's been like six months, maybe, and was like, yo, I got a story to tell. I would love to come on your show. I had never heard of you, didn't know who you were. I looked into you a little bit, read your story of what you wanted to come on and talk about. And it was like, I was sold halfway through reading what you were talking about. I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. I want you on my show. And we were finally able to make this shit fucking happen, even though we had some super fucking technical difficulties here for about an hour right now, just trying to make oh, this yeah. shit happen. And you sound fucking great. You, you sound better than most guests that I've ever had on here. So that's a fucking plus. But ladies like and gentlemen... Mr. Fonz Dot, what is up, brother? Howdy, Catalyst Jones. Thanks for having me on your show, man. This is this is an absolute wild treat to be here because I like found you on Rockfin watching Sam like a long time ago. And it was just like, oh, and then I started following you on Instagram and I'm like, oh, and it was just like such a crazy thing. And I was just totally vibing with your stuff. And I, I don't really stick too much on the social media. Like I seem like I'm on there a lot. So this is like an absolute pleasure. So thanks a lot for having me on the show. Man, it's my pleasure to have you on. And when I was reading some of the things that you were doing and then I looked at your your profile and stuff, you were like, yeah, I was an actor for a while. I do this, I do that. And you were like, I do like a bunch, bunch of outdoor stuff. And then I looked at your page and it like just so happened you were like fucking face climbing a cliff. <laughs> like when I looked and I'm like, this guy is fucking nuts, man, in a good way. And fucking good I don't, way. I'm definitely nuts. Uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Let's just pretend good and bad don't exist. <laughs> oh. I don't even know how that started because like I was petrified of heights a bunch of years ago like my sister didn't even believe that I got over that my mom had to be like no 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 like he's not scared of heights anymore <laughs> and now you just like climb the faces of a cliff with I suppose so I mean I don't think what I do is that special there's some really big rock stars in the climbing world where I live and 
when you're living out in the Bow Valley here in the Canadian Rockies, you're surrounded by professional athletes, people sponsored by Red Bull, people, people sponsored by Arteryx and stuff, right? And like, these are the people who you're getting beta from and like you're sharing information with to climb these routes and you're climbing the same routes as them. And so it's just a really special place to be. And then getting out there to essentially solo or free solo, we don't call it that in the Alpine world. We just call it, you know, soloing pitches or freeing a pitch. Um, but to go out there alone and, and be up on some of these big mountains, just completely alone has been some of the, the most special experiences I think I've ever been blessed to have. I couldn't even imagine. There is a place called top of the world where um, I grew up at and we would go out there and watch the sunset and shit sometimes. And it was on the, it was on the tip of a cliff overlooking a Valley. And that is the closest thing that I could imagine probably of what you felt, but man, you like, it wasn't that hard of a hike. It was like a long ass drive to get out there on a bumpy ass dirt road that you weren't meant to be driving on. But, you know, like I didn't have to, I didn't have to climb the face of a cliff to get there. It was pretty safe. You know, I wasn't a mistake and I wasn't going to end my life. So that that's definitely part of it. So like when I started getting into this, I was big into the mountains a lot. I grew up out of town in the middle of nowhere, Alberta. And my parents would take me out to the Canadian Rockies a lot. They were very close by. We were in the foothills, essentially like the edge of the prairies. And I was too scared of heights to get up any of these mountains. So it was always hiking, fishing, camping, big like multi-day treks in the valleys, but only the easiest trails with no cliffs, no climbing, no chances of falling until ayahuasca. And then like, that's when everything changed for that. And it was like, hey, goals are now on because fear of heights for some reason is gone. So it was just, I totally went full force into it after that. That is so fucking awesome. And actually, wait, what is tomorrow? Tomorrow is Wednesday. Um, uh, Amanda Ray, who uh, is a spirit, you know her? Yeah, from Instagram there, yeah. Yes. So she's been on the show a couple of times and we become friends and stuff and she's hosting um, a spiritual journey uh, next month. And I'm going to go to that shit. It, I'm still working on how I'm going to get out there and shit, but I'm going to make that shit happen. So it's meant I to be never, all the doors will open up, man. That's just how it works. I've never had a psychedelic spiritual awakening in the way that I want to. My first experience was scary as fuck. I was alone, basically. I was the only one that did it and ended up in the hospital, long story short. So mm -hmm. I hallucinated my fucking ass off and I have not looked at the world the same ever since. But I didn't go into the I didn't go into it with the right intentions in the right um, mindset at all. I just went in there like a cocky motherfucker thinking that I'm going to overtake the world. And then my reality got ripped from me immediately. <laughs> and it scared the fuck out of me to the point where I never wanted to do it again. But now that I'm older and I think that going into it with a different mind state and with the right people and the right type of a psychedelic as well, 
and with the right that's intention. That's very important. Like having the whole setting with the right people, the right plant, and the right intentions and preparing for it. So if you got something coming up in a month, right, then that's something where you have to start like looking at your diet, looking at your meditation routines, really like look at yourself and do some breathing exercises, especially at dusk or dawn. So you can try to like activate some memory regression before you go into it. So you're more comfortable with some shadow aspects that you might be hiding from yourself that might come out through that experience. You know, like that's what the prep work really is for me. So how old were you when you had this experience? The ayahuasca? Yes. Oh. So ayahuasca was in 2016. So I think I was 31 at the time. But like I have a crazy history with drugs, right? So a little bit about me. I grew up out of town uh, outside of Red Deer on uh, like a mansion on a hillside, essentially, like an acreage in a rural community. There's a little gas station kind of nearby a liquor store and like a elementary school essentially <laughs> right. once you got past that you had to go into town for school um and we moved out there when i was super young still because the first house we had um was kind of weird and then we were in like five moon, moon five moon crescent in red deer which is like an actual official haunted house which a lot of ghost stories from there. I include some in my first book. And I think that's where I became a fucked up individual for sure. <laughs> to start it off with. You, I have to pause you for a second. Yeah. So your parents, yeah. obviously they're well off. So are they mm -hmm. in the acting um, industry or uh, film industry? No. How did you? Uh, I have I have relatives in Hollywood. I have a casting director down in LA is friends with John Travolta, pretty close to play tennis and whatnot. And so that's how you got your foot in the door in there. No, no. Um, so acting was like a young thing. So my mom owned a dance studio. She took lessons in uh, LA. She lived in LA for quite a while. She's an adjudicator for Juilliard back in the day. She hasn't been active for a while. Um, not since she broke her pelvis. Um, but Oh, Essentially, yeah, it was quite a few years ago now or whatever and stuff. She's retired. She's kicking butt. Um, like, yeah, shout out to my mom. <laughs> and then, hey, uh, mom. yeah, my mom's awesome. Uh, and then so, like, uh, essentially my mom and my dad, they owned a lot of businesses. Their family owned businesses. The one side of my family is Icelandic. Um, and then the other side of my family is like Métis Italian. And so and then, like, we had money just because my parents were involved in businesses. We owned IGAs and apartment buildings and businesses and condo units and places in Whistler, Nordig. I mean, just properties all over the place. And, and just like her hands in investing in a lot of things, developing Salt Spring Island and all that kind of stuff. And so I would be sitting in learning that as a child a lot, sitting in with the parent conversations, because obviously there's not a lot of kids out in the middle of nowhere. Right. So like you had an intelligent ass parent. Basically, yeah. your intelligent ass parents was your only really communication and friends. Yeah. And then also like other parents in like that rich community and stuff who had like the time to like be teaching me and like the other kids things that they knew. 
Um, a lot of them are into like cars and hot rods and motorcycles. So I learned how to work on those a lot as a kid and ride those. Um, but like really because of this and my parents being entrepreneurs and like running businesses um, constantly and having their hand in investments growing up, I was always taught capitalistic life, you know? And then when we went into town, they owned businesses downtown, I'd get dropped off in the library, essentially. I'd walk to the library. It's like by the police station and courthouse and stuff. So we always felt it was safe. And I just walk as like a really young child <laughs> to the library alone and do whatever I want to do for reading. And then so this is when I started picking up books on yoga and the occult and whatever I could get my hands on. Wait, because how old were you? I was probably like five to eight years old by the time, like by the time you were reading about the occult when you were five years old. Yeah. So like my mom likes to read Stephen King and Dean Koontz and like every like horror thing out there or whatever. And like, we always had a really good library connection. Like, like our household book, book collection was like pretty serious. Like we took kill a mockingbird floating around original copy and stuff. Like I still have it. Um, but like I read every single book in the house by the time I was like six, like when grade one came around, my parents didn't know what to do with me. Like, like I, they were buying me fancy school books when I was super young to like, you know, like here, buy this for your kid if they're smart. And I mean, I'd crush everything. Then I crushed all the Stephen King to the point my parents were like, what did you read? You read all our books? Like they took them away. Like they like had to hide their own books. (laughs) And then so when I was in the library and I grew up super Christian and like heavily involved in the church and my family's like a lot involved in the church. I got pastors in my family and my aunt currently, I think she just retired, but she's been working and running our like local church for quite a while. And so having that background in this taboo nature on what yoga is, but not knowing what yoga is. And then because of my childhood experiences, I got introduced to sex at a very young age because of that type of rich people who live in those kind of areas. And for some reason, they like to teach their kids about sex at a really young age. And it's not necessarily super perverted, but it kind of is. And it's super like unnerving in a way. But because of that, when I got babysat at this one place's house, I'd always go run and hide. Like I just like did not want to be involved in that at that young of an age. So I'd go run and hide and I'd go like hide in a closet. Wait, are you talking about like some pedophilia shit happening? Definitely, yes. And then so like in like, in like, it but like the benefit of like what happened to this when this happened to me was this running and hiding you know what i mean and it wasn't like pedophilia it wasn't like an adult there was doing anything and touching any kids but it was like adults were showing some of the kids about sex in porno magazines and whatnot when these kids were like super young right and then they would share with the other people and then that dad would talk about sex to other kids and share porno and stuff with kids and teach them about masturbation and sex when they're like way too young to know about this. Right. Like this kind of what was going on. It was common. Like my brother and my sister, I've definitely experienced worse than me uh, growing up out there. Uh, A lot of other people did as well. Like it was actually kind of weird. Like I got in trouble when I tried to bring it up as a kid and then I got in more trouble bringing it up again as an adult with my family and stuff being like, just shut up about that. Like, 
didn't you have a good life growing up? Like, don't bring up things that just upset people. Damn, that's, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. And and it is the elites that are pushing all of this fucking sexualization well, like, of kids. In I, I grew up with like the, the people who are definitely in the 1% of Canada, like of like the top Canada. Like once I realized like they released um, information of how much money the like 1% of Canada makes. And then I realized who my family friends are. And like a lot of them are great people, right? Like, like no offense, like I don't want to like shit on most of these people and stuff. And it's right. just like, I realized how much like the one people sold their businesses for like hundreds of millions of dollars, like decades ago, <laughs> you know, it's just one of their businesses. You know what I mean? Like, these are my family friends. Like if I needed help, I could go ask them for help, but I would never would because I made a completely different choice in my life. And it's been very clear and it's awkward whenever I see these people now, you know, but anyways, to get to the the benefit of this happening to me when I was young, because I was one of the lucky ones from all this, right? I feel like Hang on, I have one more, one more question before yeah, you for get sure. Did they ever tap you for a secret society? Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. We can, we, we can get that into the when I'm a little bit older. Cause I do, I do want to give you a little rundown of like who I actually am. Not yeah, just Fonzot. Yeah, Cause Fonzot's a character. Like you're talking to me here. My name's Kevin Harold Alfano. I'm a composer. That name's on my recent like composition, classical music pieces that I'm writing. So I'm happy to share that. Like this is the real me. My pen name is KNLN and I can explain where that comes from and how I channeled those books. But we got we got to we got to just set this up a little bit here, right? All right, um, yeah. So yeah, get, get to like going. roll back to some of these positive aspects, like I was like really the lucky one, right? Like I felt really traumatized from this like happening as I was a child, but it's not like anyone ever touched me or did anything against my will. You know what I mean? Like some of the other kids were definitely trying to do that, and then after I learned about this, like I went around asking for sex for sex from like everyone, like kids, adults, everything, and I eventually got it. So I like got sex when I was like super young and then it was like weird. I was like, oh my God, I don't want this. Like, it, like my whole life changed. <laughs> I like, just focused on goals from that point on. Like I finally had that and I found out what that secret was and then I just moved on to other secrets. You know what I mean? Like it's like time to find more secrets, especially because I knew these older rich people had secrets. You know what I mean? I mean like that kind of crowd growing up. Yes, so I'm hiding. <laughs> I have a really weird life, man. It's it's been a, tr a trip. So, anyways, I'd hide a lot in these closets or in the woods, or there was like a laundry hamper place. There was like places to hide, anyways. When I was getting babysat at this one house, but the whole thing was is I was always trying to be as quiet as possible, make my breathing as shallow as possible and as long as possible. And then also close my eyes. And I was frightened every time that I'd be found every time I was doing this. But then I was having these crazy out of body experiences. <laughs> you know what I mean? When this was happening and I'm like young. And then eventually I find this book on yoga in the public library, which like this is the most taboo thing I've ever heard in like my church life. And so I'm reading through it. And it's a book on, it's a book on Raha yoga. It's like Swami's book. And so I read that book when I was like seven years old, I think. Like, I think I was in grade two. That's amazing. But I was like already doing the practices when I read it. Like I was already doing those asana positions and breathing practices when I was hiding. 
when I was scared and hiding. And like when you're doing Ashtanga yoga, the whole trick is to like make personal vows to do or not do something for a certain period of time. You know what I mean? Like no shave November or whatever your new, new year's resolution. But like if you succeed at those instead of fail at them, that makes you closer to becoming adept, adept in him, adept in like the void, like beating the, the mind in your head. Like that's what becoming enlightened is in him on that side of things. One side. I of love thing. this. I fucking yeah. love this. Yeah. So, so like this, this is my upbringing. Like but this I is can it. kind of relate to that too, because I remember playing hide and seek with my cousins, obviously not the same type of a scenario. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you hear them coming close and you're hiding and shit, I remember like working on my breath so that they couldn't hear me, even though you're scared and your natural intuition is to breathe through your mouth and be like, <gasps> and you have to train yourself to fight your body's natural instincts. And, and so I, that, that is something I can relate to with you on obviously like i said totally different circumstances but yeah I've been- yeah no worries it's it's something i think a lot of people do when they're kids and when i've mentioned some of the things i did when i was a kid like the staring practices because that's what like after i started realizing more about this and i couldn't sleep at night i'd be doing the same exercises by doing staring practices you just like stare at my great grandmother's afghan God bless her soul. Her daughter was saved uh, from the residential schools here in Canada. And we would just like, I would stare at, say, I call myself a wee a lot. Um, But if if you just stare at the Afghan and don't blink, like don't blink. And then do breathing exercises. Just keep breathing until you're hyperventilating, until you're tingling all over. And you're like so much oxygen is in your body. But then you're scared of not blinking. Like you have to not blink. Like you have to keep your eyes open no matter what. And like you have to like f- put fear into yourself that you cannot blink no matter what. And you keep doing the breathing exercises. And I mean, you trip out, man. You like you have these crazy hallucination experiences. And I was doing this like a regular base when I was like eight, nine years old in elementary school at night, couldn't sleep, trying to read. It was fun. You know, and then I found that drugs. That is so insane. So <laughs> when I just had Amanda Ray on for the second time, she was talking about doing breath work. And she showed a certain um, step-by-step type of a breath work that you can do where you actually induce a DMT-like experience. And she's like, not oh, yeah. DMT when you're like full into DMT, but like DMT when you're coming off of DMT. Oh, I, dude, you actually can get higher than DMT with the breath work I do. Way higher. That is like, amazing. Way higher. Because I've hey. done five MEO and I broke through on that. And I broke through on ayahuasca. And the breath work that I do is, I was also drugged with like a flaca type thing, which is part of the cult kind of situation in my life. But like the breath work is the absolute epitome of the highest you can possibly ever get, I swear. That's like, I'm going to have to have you teach me that shit sometimes, but I do want to get back to your story, right? So let's get back to your story. Definitely. I want to get into that before we get back into your story. We need to take a break. And here is a word from our sponsors over at, uh, uh, pet shit. I'm going to have to edit this now. I just fucked up the name pure pet wellness doc. Here's a, here is a message from our sponsors at pure pet wellness.com. 
All right. I need to take a second. I think my dog just shit in my studio room. So, cause I smell it and I'm not going to be able to focus on the conversation until I figure this out. So if it's a good place to just insert a commercial. <laughs> no worries. So give me, give me a minute, brother. There are many health benefits of owning a pet. <coughs> they can increase opportunities to exercise, get outside and socialize. Regular walking or playing with pets can decrease blood pressure, cholesterol levels, and triglyceride levels. Pets can help manage loneliness and depression by giving us companionship. Our products are designed to support the long-term health of your best friend and help them live happier, more comfortable lives. All our CBD pet products are made from human-grade ingredients, lab-tested, free of soy and grain, and made in the USA for unbeatable quality. So head on over to purepetwellness.com and enter promo code RABBIT at checkout for up to 25% off your order. Fuck yeah, welcome back, welcome back. So we were we were talking about some breath work and shit, and uh, amazingly, you were doing this shit at seven years old. So you're reading a book about yoga, you figure out that you've already been doing this shit, take it away. Yeah. So the interesting aspect about finding that book when I had already been reading so much Stephen King and these like really crazy murder fantasy, you know, like horror type books. Um, and then having it introduced as something that was taboo, you know, like yoga is like something taboo. I like initially took all this as it had to be something very secret so it became a very not spoken about aspect of my life that i had this thing that i did where whenever i was stressed out or i was getting picked on at school because i was getting bullied a lot growing up and it was just like i would be able to go do this and leave my body and have these experiences that were extremely comforting and wake like come back to my body feeling so refreshed and amazing and just feeling better you know, and like so comforted. And I, I had no idea that it had anything to do with like current occult stuff or like Western esotericism or like I had that one book, that one experience and I did just you, continued the practices. Did you talk about this with anybody? I tried to bring it up with my one friend that I was growing up with a lot at that time. And I think it resulted in him like picking on me more if anything, <laughs> it was like, no one understood it. Yeah, that sucks. A lot of people that are awakened right now, I find are the black sheep, not only in their family, but in their friend circles as well. It's well, huge. Were- like I had a big awakening event some years later and I like wrote a, a bunch of music, but namely one song that's like, I search and I search, but I find none of my kind. Like I felt so alone. And I had no idea what I was doing with these practices, but like, I was so grateful for my, my family and my parents. Cause like my parents are amazing and they have just spent so much time to make sure I was completely set up with life. So they gave me dance lessons, obviously in my own uh, studio. So I was doing choreography and obviously she was the one who got me into the film stuff. So she got me into acting lessons. I was in a brick commercial. I was an extra on Honey Shrunk the Kids with like a big, like a sadness, like face close up shot. 
And then I was in a bunch of like theater plays and stuff like that. I was doing a musical theater and like, I got a big pile of like medals and trophies from when I was a kid and growing up with all that kind of stuff. And then she put me in music lessons when I was super young. My great grandfather, like his whole side of the family is huge into music. And my mom always played piano in the house. So I got on to piano lessons when I was three years old, skiing lessons when I was three years old as well. Um, I always wanted to play guitar, but the, like drums and stuff, but they made me wait until I was eight years old to get an acoustic guitar, electric when I was like nine. I think I was nine when I got a bass guitar. I wasn't able to get like my first drum set until I bought my first house when I was like 19. So it took a little while for that. <laughs> Man, that's amazing. You bought your first house at 19 years old. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a trip. Uh, it was a really cool time in my life. But I mean, I went homeless after that and got disowned by my family. So <laughs> I've seen a little bit of this and that. Unfortunately, it hasn't been all just like nice for sure. <laughs> right. Are you are you not in good uh, standing with your family at the moment? Um, we're We're good. I think we're good. I mean, we don't talk very often. Um, I parted ways with my parents, like when I was owning my second house and whatnot, I really just realized it didn't mesh with their lifestyle a lot. And then, so when I had the opportunity to get out of like fancy life, essentially, um, I really just took it and I went full force into being homeless and why I got disowned was like the stuff that happened with like the cult and, um, I, I don't know exactly what all went down with that, but I guess it was pretty much an eyesore on my family, especially like how I rolled through it all. And then also like I chose to not go back into like being of the class my parents are in. Like my parents are not working class people and I made a specific choice in my life to be poor and live with working class people and interact with them and, and, and be at that level, like, like a very specific choice. Like I don't even want to have anything to do with all the people I know who are not working class that I grew up with. Like, I don't like their mentality. <laughs> like it's just, that's I don't amazing. like money. That is, yeah. that's awesome, man. That is, that's fucking awesome that you're willing to do that when you could have it made, you could be Hunter Biden out here fucking, no, Smoke. my parents aren't that well off, man. No, no, no. Well, I mean, they know, do like they own like eight downtown city blocks in Red Deer with some other people right now as like one of their last like holdings, but they're like retired. They've sold everything off. They got no mortgages. They have enough money to live out the rest of their days and just like enjoy what the health they have left with like grandkids and like friends and family around. And they're doing good. But uh, yeah, it's just so you, you touch, you talk every once in a while. That's good. That's really good. But you touched on something that I can't let you just skip over like that. And it was, I didn't want to have anything to do with the cult. Can we jump into the cult? What uh, was the cult? And, <laughs> and when were you introduced to it? Um, so I guess I'm considered X-Craft. Um, and that's kind of exactly what we're all leading into all with it stuff, right? So the first time I got introduced to something that was actually truly occult um, was the Hermetic Principles. And I got actually taught those in a physics class in university. And basically they explained, like the, the professor opened up with saying, 
Oh, yeah. And then, by the way, if you're formulating any hypothesis that you really want the outcome, that was mint. Mint. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So for those of you just listening, the entire camera just fell onto the ground. It was actually quite comical. Hasn't your dog pooped in your studio as well? We're having like some serious technical difficulties that are fun dogma oh man yes they don't want this to happen um <laughs> the mundane she didn't, gods she are I didn't upset. Find anything i didn't find anything i think she was just farting or maybe she was holding it back but when i opened the door she ran straight out the door and then straight out the doggy door so all right that's good then that's good yeah all right Definitely let's get news. back to this Let's get back to this uh, cult. So you were in a university. Yeah, okay. So the first time, like anything occult, right? So like, let's make sure the camera, I look at it. So like anything occult, which is like occult is just secret knowledge, right? And like, it's taboo stuff you're thinking when you're growing up, especially as like the sheltered life I had. Like, I didn't know much about pop culture. You know, I just was kind of like not impressed with a lot of what other people were into, like brands and stuff as well. Because like I had everything given to me. I never wanted some fancy brand. I wanted something that was the best possible product, you know, and I've always been that way. So all of a sudden out of nowhere, hermetic principles, principles get brought up in my physics class, you know, talking about how to create like the best thesis. Like if you are trying to like come up with some sort of experiment and you're trying to prove something, you better make sure it falls in line with the hermetic principles, sometimes called the universal laws or you're not going to do good. Like nothing's going to work out for you. And like, this is exactly what the professor said. And I was like lost and like half the kids knew what this was. And I'm like even more lost now, you know? <clears throat> Cause like, I thought I knew everything and I thought I knew like every secret out there. You know, when I found out what's like sex was something at like five years old, it was like, I need to find out what this is and have it. You know what I mean? Like I have to figure out everything about everything and know it. And I've always been that way. Like that's how I, I roll with everything. I'm just trying to be loving to everyone and instigate whatever I can to learn more, you know, always. And so I was super confused. And then I realized actually that it was the, uh, um, uh, it's a, the word, I might as well just say it. Uh, but it was like actually my Jewish friends in physics who knew about what the hermetic principles were already. And then some of the other like super white dudes and then a couple of like the super like Eastern brown dudes knew. But then like all your like average Joe Blow, you know, cut of the mill Canadian, they were like the clueless guys. Like, like, and it, like, it was only like the smart kids who already knew essentially with good parents, rich parents or parents already working in the university or something, you know? So then all of a sudden it was like, I need to know what this is. So they showed us what the Kabbalion was at that point in time. So I was introduced to the Kabbalion at like probably around 2006. Right. And then, Your so this is when I'm like, yeah. Okay. Professor actually basically wrote it on the board and everything was like, you better read this. If you're in physics and you're trying to come up with like becoming a, like you're not doing physics unless you're getting a PhD. Like there's no professional status. Uh, like there's no working class. The, it's not like biology or chemistry or engineering where you can get like a P status or anything. And you're like, 
there's like no awards in physics either, unless you're like a top theoretical physicist. Like some of my friends are literally working at that level. And I'm so blessed to be able to like help read their papers while they're working on them. And like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in some cool circles um, because That's of awesome. growing up. Yeah. So like, I mean, like because of that too, I mean, I get a question everything with a very critical mind, which is what's going on in the world right now. You know what I mean? Like this is how you can wake up. It's such a esoteric big thing. It's a holistic thing to get all the puzzle pieces or enough puzzle pieces to finally get that last one where you actually understand what the puzzle picture is trying to show you, even if you're still missing some more pieces, right? Like that's what I feel like waking up is. And you you need a lot of puzzle pieces. You need music, you need art, you need philosophy, you need science, you need biology. Like you actually have to understand the whole system of this place here step by step. And like my parents were the ones who brought me into this, you know, like they didn't know about this. My parents know nothing about the occult. Uh, like the most plain Jane Christians ever. Um, and it's like, it's a weird thing that this is like completely hidden in all aspects. And then it's your professors, you know, and like the rich, smartest families and the smartest kids in physics, like the people who are going on, like the one friend that I have from that class, like he helped build the first D-Wave quantum computer and he got published for that. And wow. like, when this is happening, I'm like sharing it to my Facebook and tagging him being like, yo, bro, this is awesome. And like on my YouTube here, like I got birthday songs for him, <laughs> like from my old account, like this is my old bro. And like, the, like, so these are what the type of people who go into physics are. And we're getting taught to read the Kabbalion told to and to memorize the hermetic principles or none of our science is going to work out. You know, are like any, if you're not these people that are your friends or any of them flat earthers. Um, definitely not. They're all not flat earthers. I don't think they're global earthers either. You got to understand, like these people are so deep into string theory, quantum mechanics and stuff that when we try to explain what we know about this place to other people, they just think we're talking mumbo jumbo and magic stuff. You know, it's like this place the best way to describe it is like a 1D, like one dimensional line, like that's folded upon itself so tightly in a blooming fractal where every single intersection of that 1D thing is like 13 intersections, which creates all like the dimensions of string theory of how many you want to think they're like 12 plus N actually, I'd say. Um, but it's like that thing is touching itself at every single point in time a lot constantly and it's all like moving in a fractal and then that is creating a reality that is so much more complex and vivid than what our eyes and our senses can put together with our brains and then so our brains are like a holographic generating computer for our soul to interact with what's around us and that anything we can ever see feel here with any of our senses is generated for us as we observe it and if we don't observe it, the actual reality of baseline, what is here is then present. And what that is, is it, we're inside a toroidal dome with like a definite edge, you know, and it's flat and it's round. It's both. Like if you go down any scientific mathematical holes on any of these things right to the bottom of string theory, it's flat and it's round. Like this argument can go on forever. <laughs> like it's both because it's actually we're in 
a one-dimensional like folded on pond hologram upon itself like so it has to be flat and it'll always test out mathematically so it shows flat and it has to be round as a globe because when you start doing the math for that it has to test out that way because it always has to adhere to the models that we create to describe what we're seeing because that's how this place works (laughs) how do you feel about how do you feel about frequencies and i love how you just described all of this because that is awesome but what about like frequencies like our brain or maybe this meat suit no our, our consciousness let's say our consciousness is a radio but yet each radio is only able to pick up certain frequencies mm-hmm. and so that is what is broadcasted to us how do you feel well, yeah, about that yeah totally that's there's that's that's that goes into this so much and like with the mundane gods and stuff as well, like it, you know, essentially stuck here since the war of the worlds and they can't like have bodies anymore. So like, they're just like preying upon people and it's all frequency based. And then, so when you are at your own frequency, which is a genetic frequency and a biological frequency, which can be adjusted obviously with our diet or environment, you're going to be vibrating at levels that are going to be attracting certain mundane gods that know they can feed off your energies and like feed things into you because we are all antennas and like 94% of our thoughts are not our own. Like our brains are antennas that are like receivers, right? And like I talk about this with my psychologist and my psychologist friends. Like I was fucking a psychologist there for a while too. And like she's super into the occult. She's a rad lady. Um, But it's like they all agree with this too. So it's like your psychologist, if there's someone who's an elite kind of person, a higher level psychologist, a decent amount of money, you know, maybe a Mason studies the occult or something like they 100% know all of the shit that you think you're going to be crazy to talk to them about. <laughs> like they believe that 94% of the thoughts in your head are are not yours and it's an antenna. You know what I mean? It's about like, are you the type of person who has like learned to, you know, turn those off? You know, do you have, you've done enough breath work essentially to turn those off? Cause a lot of your psychologists and stuff like that have done this breath work, right? You gotta understand that they've, they've had initiations and they've done these breath works and stuff in their studies. Cause they get interested in these things while they're going to university and they try it out, whether about- they're in a cult or not. What about like uh, sex magic and stuff? Do they all practice sex magic? And do you subscribe to the idea that when you have sex with somebody, you actually internally take on a lot of their energies and it sticks with you for quite some time? Of course. I, yeah, of course. All that stuff. There's too many questions at once for me to keep with it all. Um, sex sorry, magic is huge. Uh, so sex magic is huge. You absolutely need to have sex magic in order to wake up fully with both sides of your brain and have a complete hemisphere sync. And in order to walk the gates properly, the consciousness gates, you need a woman. Like a woman will open up the consciousness gates for you with man. So you really need to have a male-female pairing doing tantric sex magic in order to like have your full abilities unlocked through your practices. Like it's it's vitally important. And yeah, like when you do have sex with someone else and it's especially if you're not using protection and you guys are orgasming as well, like that's super like another big trigger for this. You have to understand that that is the same as quantum entanglement. And like I've been in the presence of quantum teleportation, which is quantum entanglement and then teleporting photons. 
that the U.S. military was doing in the basement of UFC. I don't know how much trouble people are getting for that. Like, like the <laughs> very basement of UFC at the bottom of the bottom, like the U.S. military funds like a bunch of physics and physicists and like a lot of physicists. I know that's like why I left physics. I didn't want to work for them. And I, that's when I realized I was like, oh, UFC is actually just a U.S. military base that's studying quantum cryptology for and quantum teleportation for the U.S. military. And like anything ever went down. Like it's just part of the underground tunnel system that like now it gets taken over and it's a new part of the base, right? And like I was just, I found that out in 2011 and like I had like a panic attack. Yeah, I was having a panic attack for a second because I thought you were saying UFC as in like ultimate fighting championship. And I was like, no, no, no. Like the US, U of C, University of Calgary. Yeah, I caught on. And then I like, I've seen stuff like recently on this. Like, so I got all this firsthand knowledge like a lot before like 2015 ish, 2016 ish. And like, I like shit bricks, man. Like I freaked out and got out of everything. Like I like, I don't even remember a lot of my life between 2016 and 2020 because of the cult stuff and like the head injuries that happened to me and them rolling on me. But like whatever, like my memories that I have left on that and like the things that have been confirmed, like the, especially the confirmable things that like, those are the things that I try to focus on with my stories to try That's to like crazy. poke. It sounds it's like, a, like you and I were doing the occult thing during the, during the same linear time frame. That's. Well, we probably were because that's all astrologically defined, right? Like, there are set astrological events and people think that's like astrology is mumbo jumbo, but like the stars are creating electromagnetic radiation in patterns that are coming down at certain angles at us. And like electromagnetic radiation causes changes in your mood and your consciousness, like, like greatly to the point where there's a lot of patents for like our computer screens and like these like lights and the mics and everything, like they cannot give off certain frequencies because we know that they will make people like sick or nauseous or make them really angry or upset. And like a lot of other things they can actually trigger. And people think it's all like the evil government and there's patents when they find out about all this stuff. But when you actually like study this stuff and know about it in university too, you learn about the history of this and how people found out about these frequencies and how they can affect people negatively. And then how there was mistakes with earlier devices where people were getting sick from the devices when we started building things. So that's why we've like made it so like, hey, you can't use these certain frequencies because they're going to affect your consciousness. If we're sitting in front of a computer screen that's putting out a certain type of frequency all the time, it can make us like super upset all the time, right? So the stars and constellations and the planets they're doing this above us to us always like it's very real you know so if we're going through the same thing these occult learnings at the same time so is like everyone else kind of around our age who is on path because that's what the stars are doing to us that's crazy that's fucking insane to think about so when i think about so many people that Looking back, we were all into the same kind of things who I talk to today, who I consider my friends, you know, and we all come from somewhat similar time frames. You know, it's either 80s to 95, pretty much, maybe even 78-ish people. I'm mid-80s. Who I really... I'm 37 now. 
who I really just fucking connect with, you know? And we look back on those times, like the nineties is like the best times ever because we still had video games and shit, but it wasn't like the video games that it is now. We had telephones, we could call our friends, but it isn't like how it was now out as now where it's in your back pocket all the time. Like I remember right. watching back to the future too and how his boss fired him, but it was like a face to face phone call. And I was like, what? That's crazy. We have it now. We fucking have yeah. it. And I wanted all that stuff as a kid. And it was like pre-internet when we grew up. Right. You know, right. Like I didn't, you didn't have, like, it was all like the phone, like as soon as you had like cordless phones, it was like rare. Like, Oh, you have a cordless phone at your house. Like, Oh yeah. My parents just got it. You know, like, like it was cool to have like the longest cord possible from the one phone in the house. You know? like, yeah. Like, and then I have- like reached all the way to the living room from the kitchen. And then I upgraded from that because that's what we did have. And then in high school, I upgraded and I went to a Walgreens and I bought a VTech like clear blue phone that I was, it was, it was actually a cordless phone. And I was able to have that up in my room and not have to drag the cord. And we had like a 20 foot fucking long cord too. So we could yeah, go Yeah, that's what it. I mean. Like, that's what it was all about. It was like the longest cords ever before it went cordless. And then it was like the one friend got like the cordless phone. It's like, well, you got a cordless phone. And then it was like, but then you got to realize like, this is how they tricked their parents. Like, this is why my parents are clueless about everything that's going on right now. Because they think it's still like the 80s and the 90s. You know what I mean? Like in their heads. They think it's still the 80s and the 90s and it's just more cool stuff coming out for the kids. They don't see, they never, like my parents caught on with my uncles and a bunch of our Mason fam and stuff like that. Like, because they actually like sit down and talk with them and like my parents will actually listen to them. And it's like, we're having like more of an adult conversation like this, where it's like, we're actually concerned about what's going on in the world right now and who these corporations are in charge of as people and what exactly they're doing in our communities. Cause like, this is super not okay. You know what I mean? Like something really wrong is going on. And like, this is how you can level with that generation. Like those 50, 60, 70 year olds right now who just don't want to get it. That something really bad's going on with the government and the corporations, you know, they got, brainwashed with, Oh, it's now it's a newer phone and now it's a newer TV. And like, we were like the biggest user of TikToks. It's like those 67 year old ladies and men at home. You know what I mean? They're the ones who think it's still the seventies and the eighties and the nineties. And there's no foul play really going on. Boomers. Yeah. So but the foul play started then it was, it's just been a long game. Like these guys play the longest game. It's a multi-generational game. One of the questions that I like to ask all my guests is what was your first eye awakening? Oh shit moment where you were broken out of the matrix or where you were like, okay, shit doesn't fucking add up. Now I'm really, really curious what you are going to say since you've already, you, you were reading books, adult well, books. Okay, like, I died in the crib. My parents found me dead in the crib. I was a blue baby who was not breathing. I had croup and they took me to the doctors and he's like, it's fine. I'm sitting home. And they took me again and then I finally taken home and I, I like stopped breathing at home. And like, I think they even took me to the hospital. They kept sending me home. So they like drove me to the hospital at like lightning speeds, dead, blue, not breathing. And 
like they came out to tell my parents something at one point in time, apparently the story goes and then like the ring came back in and they came back a little later. Then they told my parents that they brought me back to life on adult medication um, and they put me in an incubator and I was in an incubator for a while. I think it was like a couple of weeks before my parents could take me home. Um, and so that's the start of my life. And then apparently I've always been this weird spiritual conscious weirdo, <laughs> like mystic weird. He's the weird Métis kid who talks to God uh, <laughs> and where all the rest of the kids were like super white rich fam. <laughs> like, like that is that's amazing. So I was so, always this weirdo, but then the first time that I realized that I and my feelings were justified and right, because I was always told I was wrong and to shut up. And it was like when I saw a special on the satellite uh, TV that we had at satellite TV then, and because in the middle of nowhere, right? And it was a special on the moon landing being fake. And it's actually one that I've seen again recently. It's one of the big famous ones from like a bunch of years ago that you can go and find from like, I forget the name of the dude, but he still studies it today. And he's like one of the good guys who's like really on top of like specific proofs on shadows and all this kind of stuff or whatever. So this aired when I was in like elementary school on the satellite internet, on the TV, on satellite TV, sorry. And like, I was sold on all of it. I was like, yeah, definitely. I always thought the moon landing was fake. There's no fucking, I never believed that the world was round. Like I questioned every other kid out there. So you're telling me that it's actually just round. So isn't everything slightly curved is like, does that mean my coffee table has to be slightly curved? Like one of the first things I said, like, what about buildings? So then at the top of the buildings, are they all slightly like, like, I I just ne- I I never accepted that the earth was a fucking ball. Like it was never something I was cool with since I was a kid. And then That's so that crazy. whole like moon landing thing was just like an instant like And then of course I'm tr- I, I I recorded it with her like record like we had be able like the ability to record uh, TV and stuff and stuff so I like or like saved it or whatever it was and I tried to like share my show with my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad and they were all like you're a fucking idiot like Stop believing in this stupid stuff. You're smarter than that. Like you're the smartest person in the family. <laughs> like doctors tested my IQ, my IQ to be in like the 140s and gave me like Mensa paperwork. <laughs> when I thought I was neurotic in university, I thought I was crazy. I'm like, test me. Why am I so weird? And they're like, dude, you're basically autistic. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. You think it was because of your near death experience right as you were an infant? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Like, when you look into, um, like I finally looked into like Thelema and like the golden dawn and a bunch of like those kind of like texts. Um, once I was told to look into them after I was trying to explain these spiritual spirit experiences I had from this breath work to some like Masons I knew in Hollywood. Yeah. Thelema is the one that I practiced for a while. Yeah. I, I consider myself a Thelemite actually. Still, except for yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't do any of the rituals that Crowley made up. Um, but like, you got to understand, like, Crowley made Thelema an official religion. You know what I mean? Like, but like, Thelema was around long before him. You know what I mean? He just like found every single, yeah, he just found every single possible aspect of proof of it because it was a secret mystery thing before it wasn't part of the mystery religions, right? And he like he was a really rad dude until he was not. 
And then he became a really not cool dude late, like later in his life. Right. Um, and that's what he's known for. Um, right. but, and I think that might have a lot to do with drugs and elite other elite um, influence. Right. Because even yeah. back then, these people had so much fucking money that they get bored. And well, they it's do the freedom they had, shit. man. They had so much freedom, you know, and power. Like, and like Jack Parsons was given so much power at such a young age after having so much money and then he had even more money. So it's like, what else he's going to do but make a Thelema house and have a bunch of people come in and then try to have sex parties and drug parties with like cool CIA dudes and whatnot and try to get more Hollywood people involved. So A, they can get more money and seem cool, you know, and they have the freedom to do all this stuff. And it's just like, they were trying to just make it super cool to get more people to join. And like, that's not representative of a lot of like Thelmites at that point in time in history. And then nowadays they definitely at least get painted as that's what they all are. Um, but like, so I don't practice anything that like Crowley has set out or any like the golden dawn stuff either. Like I don't practice anything in Hebrew. I don't, uh, Rahor quit sailing across. I don't know that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I didn't even do any of that stuff when I was doing my practices. Um, my practices are very akin to Tibetan Buddhism and with like a lot of like uh, Vedic uh, stuff tied into it, essentially. Like, I didn't know this. Like, I was just doing it myself by breathing. Like, I met my holy guardian angel when I was super young. I lost him in 2011 when I was 24 years old in that like that spring equinox. So like that was like super weird. Um, and I found out you're not supposed to tell people that? about that like only like a couple of years ago. And then it was like, oh, fuck. What, how did, I already how put did it in my that? first book. So it was like, I can't not just yeah. admit that that happened. Like I try how to you, explain spirituality. Sorry? How do you know that he left? Because he flat out told me he was leaving and I was on my own. <laughs> So it was like that. It was a straight up. No, I had a, I, I had a meeting with them. Like I, I, that's called adeptus, uh, exemptus. So I hit except adeptus exemptus stage in my practices when I was 24 years old, which like, I had no idea that that's what that was, that that's what that's called. That's like other people can reproduce these breathing exercises and like the stages through them that you work through and have that same experience, especially if they have the same kind of bloodline as me. Cause I've also found out there's four different bloodlines. So it's like, it's probably more, but I know of two male and two female ones. They're essentially like the King lines. Like those are like the magical bloodlines and they do show up as DNA markers in our DNA. So yeah, like it doesn't mean like people who don't have this, don't have a connection to the spiritual realm, but it's just like the people who have these have, like what I have where like I was born and I started doing the practices on my own without someone having to show me. You had the cheat codes already built in. Yeah. And I think it's a curse if any, like doesn't make me cool (laughs) or better off than anyone else. It literally makes my life cursed. It like literally makes it so uh, like when people look at me sometimes they're like, and they don't actually see how much I'm manifesting for myself and how good my life's actually going from an outside look, people constantly like, why does everything, everything always happen to you? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's just what happens. And like, if you're not 
playing your cards right, when you're calling this much karmic debt on yourself, your life is definitely going to fall apart completely. But if you are playing your cards right and being true to yourself through it all and true, like whatever you're doing is the best for yourself, your community and your family. Like So all three people win. That's when all of a sudden it's like you get the rewards from these challenges over and over again. And like when you're in a cult or even like masonry or whatever, which I do consider them a cult, um, when they're waking each other up and continuing these practices together, they're doing a uh, shared karma, especially if they're in death cults where they're killing each other to have these near death experiences instead of breathing exercises. Same thing chemically happens in your body. You're essentially dying and being brought back to life and, uh, adrenaline is being oxidized to adrenochrome with your breathing exercises and the fear and the muscle contractions and the asana positions or just being killed by someone and you get brought back to life. You have oxytocin released and oxytocin chemically neutralizes adrenochrome, which adrenochrome coagulates your blood, shuts your kidneys down because it cuts off all blood flow to them because it shuts your liver down. And like, this is also like why in Harry Potter, when Dumbledore has to cut his hand open and smear it on like the thing to have blood to open up the door and you're like one of the last movies and you're like freaking out. You're like, why doesn't he just like, pinprick his finger <laughs> you know what i mean or whatever but like if you've done it in these practices like you know when you when some of them call for blood and so you're going to cut yourself to get some blood like you cannot get blood out of yourself unless you cut yourself that bad because the amount of adrenochrome flowing through your blood coagulates it so much that like it's barely flowing and it just seals your wounds up like instantly like i my one student stabbed herself back and forth so many times trying to get a drop of blood. <laughs> we were like hitting the bone and it just, it just heals and seals up instantly after. Like your body's in such an amazing state when there's that much adrenaline and adrenochrome flowing through you. It's, it's fucking wild, man. I'm fucking speechless right now. I, I don't even know how to respond. I actually do know how to respond to that. And it's with one of these buttons right here. <laughs> and it's my buddy Alex Jones. Ah, oh, shit. Alex Jones is right. Yeah, he was. And I, I mean, how do you even respond to something like that? <clears throat> yeah, man, I'm just baffled. I'm shocked. So let's rewind a little bit. Yeah, we got way off topic a while ago. Yeah, so let's go back to your uh, awakening. Um, I, I was asking you about awakening. my first awakening experiences, but it's just weird because I've had so many of them and I don't know it like awaken it's to what? Updates, so maybe right? NASA, the fake NASA moon landing was the first time I realized that there's like people out there who actually are like me, even at that young age, questioning like everything that you're like being told by like, like I hated school as soon as I was, I was amazing at school, but I realized it was like brainwashing. And then like all the kids were fighting with each other and like making fun of each other and stealing from each other. And I like, I didn't get that at all. I, I immediately was sent to the counselor's office crying because the other kids were hitting each other and I, and then hitting me a lot because I wouldn't take part on it. So like, obviously I'm like getting beat up every single day because I wouldn't hit back. And then when I finally do get mad and hit back, then I'm the weird guy. Like I get in so much trouble for that, <laughs> even though I'm getting hit every day. Right. But it's like, 
I just didn't get any of that. So finally, when this moon landing thing on the satellite came out, I'm like, okay, I need to get really smart and figure out absolutely everything to figure out all these fucking lies that the adults are like keeping from us, right? Because I know the adults are keeping things from me. And like, I'm a young kid at this point in time, right? And I've already figured out everything about sex. So like, I don't even give a shit about that anymore. I moved on. And it's like, I had to dig. So when I went to university, everyone was like, what are you going to university for? What do you want to be? And all this kind of shit. And like, I can't tell anyone that I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, all I wanted to do was learn the secrets of the fucking universe. Like, that's why I went into physics, you know? Like I, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about a job at the end. I ended up being like a Van Wilder student. I went to university for nine years. I owned two houses when I was going to school. I rented rooms to university students. Like I offered a refuge for anyone who got kicked out smoking pot in their like college dorms and stuff like that. And like, whatever, I put them on a really strict, uh, like contract with me being like, Hey, no bullshit in my house, but like you, you can like live here and like you can smoke weed and shit. You're not going to get in trouble, you know? That's it wasn't awesome. like a full party house because we were very studious and smart and we had quiet hours and stuff. But I was super blessed that I was able to invest my money at a very young age. And it was all my own money, which is <laughs> and and be able to buy houses at such a young age, you know. Um, but so I was just like fueling this I need to know thing that this NASA thing had like triggered before, essentially. And like no one would ever believe me. Like I didn't find anyone else who didn't believe the moon landing was real. And then I like was totally on board with giants being real. Like, especially cause like I grew up like very Christian. I was involved in like several church bands that weren't even my own church bands. Cause they found out I could play bass and like I was running vacation Bible stu studies. And I mean, I was volunteering with the Christmas Bureau and food banks, and all that kind of stuff too. Like my grandma was running that. So just like super involved. And I believed the Bible. Like it was like, oh, you know, there's giants in those days. And Nephilim, okay, done. Yes, it like makes total sense. Like I'm in, you know what I mean? And like firmament, okay, I'm totally, and I always believe the firmament. Like it was like, I was totally on space is fake, you know, from a very young age. I was very into reading as much old religious textbooks as that I could as well. So like my neighbors were Jehovah Witnesses. So they gave me a copy of their edited Bible with like hand edits in it. So I read what did their you thing. think of that, by the way? Because my parents are Jehovah's Witness. Actually, most I, of my family is. I like I like it. I, I actually, I feel that I'm super aligned with Jehovah Witnesses and a lot of their beliefs. Um, I think they're a little extremist with the way they are set up. But at the same time, you know, maybe maybe it's a good thing. You know, like, especially with the way the world is going on and like how bad some of the other groups are obviously involved in bad things. Like, I mean, maybe at the top of them, they're just as bad. But I mean, like, I don't celebrate my birthday. I don't celebrate Christmas. I, I don't do any of those things. I don't, it's a ritual. Like I, I do my own rituals every single day. I celebrate every single day and I'm happy for every single breath. But I don't, I don't celebrate Christmas or birthdays or Halloween or like I do that. There's a quarter days. So like I recognize what, hallows day is right not how like hallows eve but hallows day because it's a quarter day same as like lamas and beltane right like i recognize what these days are and how they signify the changes in our seasons i don't celebrate those days and do you know rituals on those days i just recognize them for what they are same with like equinoxes and solstices like if anything like equinoxes and solstices 
are the times when I want to take time off to meditate just because that's when the energies are great to meditate and you have great success with your breath work. So like that'd be the only reason why I'd consider that time of year a holiday is just because I want to be out in the woods away from electromagnetic radiation, meditating and doing breath work, <laughs> you know, and like, it's not, it's not like it's good. Oh, it's uh, Christmas, you know, like, <laughs> like, cause I know what Christmas is like Christmas is three days after our winter solstice. And we celebrate knowing that spring's going to come because the sun now is changed directions and it starts, you know, days start getting longer again. Right. Cause on the year we have a deluge again, it's coming up here soon. Like that's going to show on Christmas morning. Like it's three days after solstice. Like the sun's not going to start moving up the same way and days aren't getting longer again on the year. We have a deluge. That's when the sun does all of a sudden it's over there, man. <laughs> and we're fucked. Then we have like the air blast, then the giant wave. And then we're, we're, we're in for a ride. You know what I mean? That's when Elon Musk sends people up into rockets to skim along the edge of the dome to hopefully stay up there long enough to land on something okay where everyone else is going underground into his boring tunnels that you don't want to pay attention to. And then they're like traveling amongst each other in his Tesla cars that work underground there. They're like, don't, it's boring. Don't pay attention to his boring stuff because that's not where they're going just like the last deluge, like those same people in power now who survived by eating humans underground. They're definitely not planning to do that again. It's boring. <laughs> Wait, you think that we have like a fucking cata cataclysmic uh, thing happening pretty soon? Oh yeah, of course. This was hammered into me in university. Like most of university in my age group of university, when I started university was hammering into us that we have a fucking deluge coming. We need to fucking prepare. And by the end of university, things that I was studying that were, you know, like 300, 400 level like classes or like in, in environmental chemistry, let's say I was in a 300 level environmental chemistry class where I was studying geoengineering, geoengineering chemtrails all that kind of stuff. And like, I could have continued those studies with more courses and literally started working for harp or chemtrails or any of this kind of stuff. Like that was an option for me to go into further studies on. Right. And like I took controversies in science as my major courses. Once I switched out to physics and realized there's no way that I'm going to be part of the cogs in, in support this. <laughs> you know what I mean, like I'm not being one of those guys. So, so do you think that, you just brought up CERN. Do you think that... Uh, I didn't bring up CERN, but I brought up HARP, but CERN is also... A, I got to work on CERN paper stuff, right? Like, so in my schooling with physics, um, we would get old CERN printouts of the pictures, like the photographs they take from the collisions. And like teams have already studied these photographs and answered all the questions or like almost all the questions they could like, there might be some unknowns on some of them. Right. But teams have studied these and they usually set it up with several different teams. And then when you're working in a university to help work on this, your team is usually from a few different universities around the world. And then they have several other teams working on it as well. And then they hope everyone's answers say the same thing and they usually do because they've all been brought up to explain things the same way which i always had lots of questions and would be like but hold on a second couldn't it you know like 
one of the first things about that was the radioactive dating, like carbon dating and stuff. And I'm like, this is the biggest fucking lie. Like even how you do it in physics, I was like questioning it. Like, um, these are bad assumptions. This can't like, you know? And so that's kind of like how it all kind of worked out for me in university. Like I got a little bit of taste of everything. So I actually got to like learn on CERN photographs where like some of the people in my university were the people who got to do the original calculations on those photographs and come up with the original answers. And then for my questions in in my course, for my assignment, I have to answer the same thing. I have to look at this like quark and be like, yeah, it had this amount of mass. It was traveling at this speed and then it disappeared out of reality here, went into another dimension for this amount of time and distance. And then it reappeared into reality here. And we believe it's the same quark and now it's traveling at this speed with this momentum and this mass and is continuing moving in this direction. And like, is this kind of stuff? And like my one PhD bro who I might move and live with him soon, who knows? Um, but like he just got a postdoc where he's literally studying um, interdimensional cosmic particles that jump dimensions, like particles that jump dimensions. Like he's doing another postdoc on it, like another PhD. <laughs> So, yeah. I actually have a video for that. I'm going to upload it right now and I want your take on it. But my original question was going to be, um, do you think in, in the conspiracy community, a lot of people think that um, SARS is, is the responsible for the Mandela effect? Is there any SARS. water? CERN. 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 CERN, I'm sorry. Yo, my I, friends in the physics, yo. My friends in the physics community, <laughs> and I think some of my old friends must now currently work on some of like the current CERN photographs, right? Um, and like my friends at like at this level of PhD stuff, like they believe that we are collapsing timelines like a Russian doll every single time we have Higgs boson pop out, and we're becoming on a more truer timeline where more of us are on the same timeline every single time that happens. And that is creating the Mandela effect or it's exacerbating it because it, like the Mandela effect would technically be an effect that can happen all the time and does happen all the time, like a corruption of data, like in your computer. Um, right. But it's just by having Higgs bosons pop out while we are um, doing these experiments and we're collapsing a timeline every time that happens. Um, yeah, like my friends believe it's more than plausible that we are exacerbating the Mandela effect because of CERN. Like that, and like these are the PhD people who work on that shit at CERN. So, <laughs> like, I don't know anyone currently that does that, but I'm sure some of my old friends that are doing that now for them. Also, I have friends. Um, Kill the Mockingbirds podcast with Sean Chris and Joel Thomas. And they talk about CERN. Maybe these colliders are opening up these portals. And that is the reason why we're seeing an uptick in cryptids and stuff like Dogman and Bigfoot and Mothman and stuff like that. Do you think there's any credence to that? Man, possibly, possibly. Um, the thing with cryptids is I am on the page that cryptids are real. Like a lot of them are, um, you know, I was listening to last podcast on the left there the other day, coming back from BC and they were talking about how, 
you could potentially be creating cryptids through your hemispheric syncing process, which is essentially what's going on when you're having these so-called paranormal spiritual awakening moments. And because of the nature of reality here and because we create reality around us, you know, like through our observations and especially if we have collectively agree on something, it can essentially manifest itself here. And like, that could all be happening more often to create the illusion of, of real cryptids that aren't real cryptids, but then they are being observed here because of the mundane gods and what they can do and how this place can shape itself to create observations that you believe should be observed. Does that make sense? But then at the yeah, same time, so like, uh, what I at? do believe at the same time though, that there are actual bodies out there of beings that have souls that are the same souls that we have essentially, but they are in, you know, fairies or Nephilim or Sasquatch or, you know, like other hominids. Right. Humans, let's do, you call think them. They, do you think that they uh, maneuver on a different frequency? Than, and well, that's why. Yeah, I definitely believe that there's many species of, of beings that live in this toroidal dome that operate on different frequencies than us. And we would consider some of those beings uh, ethereal, I guess, or like non-material. Um, but at their operating frequency, they are material, right? You got to understand, like the classic thing of the goggles, um, like the fighter jet pilot from the Vietnam War. Have you heard that story? And like the guy had these right. goggles to try on the new thing. And then like the and guy were freaked out and started energy. shooting all these demons he thought were flying in the air and right. like whatever. And like, so like we live in the promise zone, like in the promised land, like we live in the promised land. Like if, do you know the movie, The Promise, the Japanese movie, The Promise? No, like, I'm not familiar with it. Um, someone showed it to me recently and I lost my tits. Uh, okay, but the thing is, is like there's a covenant that was placed between humans and that kind a long time ago during the War of the Worlds. And like the War of the Worlds, as far as I understand, happened just over 7,000 years ago. Essentially, if we follow like the Tartarian Chinese calendar all the way back to there, that's where the War of the Worlds essentially happened. Like it wasn't, that long ago you know what i mean like and like we're in like the aftermath of that and because of like the covenant set out in place whether it was made then or rehashed then or because time is weird maybe it happened at all times at once and we now observe it to have happened then for us um but like because of right. how the war of the world and ended and how we we're in this new setup with the moon and antarctica and the ice ring because being underneath the luminaries in the Toriel Dome has always been a huge like fight and an important place to be compared to the other places. But like we got handed over. Like a chunk of us humans got given to the demons as a sacrifice to end the war. And the moon in Antarctica, well, the last surviving arc that's in this zone, anyways. Um like that got set up with the reincarnation loop kind of to make this place where it's turned into a prison situation where they send other people here now, unfortunately. Um, but like that, that's how that all got set up. And like, that's why we're here. Like 
we are the humans who got given as the sacrifice to the demons to stop the war. And we're being bred here. You don't think that it's possible that we chose to come here? um, Well, no, definitely. That's part of it. To fight for humanity in these meat suits? Well, of course. Like, that's part of it as well. Like, if you read my first book, you'll understand where I feel I came from when I came to this place. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like like an asshole because I didn't even bring up your books. So don't even worry about it, man. Go ahead and and plug them right now because I did want to ask you, like, what led up to you writing these books. But our conversation. Well, it's all, it's, it's, this is, I was trying to get to that as we were going through the things, but then we got sidetracked on beautiful other things that would have came up later. So that's, it's, it's good. It's good how we're doing this. My first book. Love this conversation. So don't think that it's going any way that it's not supposed to. No, I'm loving it too. The sidetracks are always like the best part I feel because you can actually like explore what, what the details are that are all about these things and then come, come back to where the storyline is, is like, okay, well, how did you get to that? Um, but so my first book, um, that happened with all the cult stuff. So I wrote in response to the saying no to the cult. Um, oh, so we should really actually get to that. I don't really want to plug my books. My books aren't like, um, they're not like, I, I didn't write them myself. Like I channeled them. Uh, so I edited, I feel like I edited them and they're not for everyone. Like, I don't feel like everyone should go out there and read them. Like not everyone go buy my book. And like, yes, if like you buy my book, I'll be able to like eat. So like, that's, that's like what I make the most amount of money from as an artist. Um, and to be honest, like Fonz that makes no money. I don't make any money off my merch. Like I sell my hats for cost. Like I think the cool hats, you know, you'd pay the same that I pay for them. Like I just, if you want one of these cool hats, you can buy one. Like, I mean, like I don't yeah. want to waste. So I'm not trying to like sell a bunch of merch. You know what up, I mean? I don't market my shit either. Like I yeah, actually like, do very, very little. I market it up enough to where I make a dollar or $2 off of every purchase that is made. That's smart. I had to make sure I had at least a dollar leeway because the prices fluctuate enough that I've accidentally like lost 15 cents and stuff on sales when the prices prices fluctuate. So then, so I always try to keep like a dollar room, but then like that doesn't even cover my operating costs on my website in a month. So I'm still losing money. So yeah, people that's are like, true, why you don't you raise it enough? So it just at least covers your operating costs. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm happy to pay for my website and have that up for me. Like it's man. I have, I have a handful of supporters that like on Rockfin, I have one person and she's been on the show before. I don't want to call her out, but amazing fucking supporter of the show. Every single episode I put out, she tips on Rockfin. And so I get money on that because I don't have anything behind a paywall. It's if people want to support the show, they support the show. Yeah. But the best way to support the show, I kid you not, guys, is hitting that five star and leaving a review. It, helps me stay in the algorithms because I've been doing this for a long time and long enough to know that people are not going to see you if you do not show up on their feed. And the only way to show up on that feed is if you stay engaged. So please engage with me. Give me a five star. Even if you hate the fucking show, give me a five star and then leave me a review telling me why you hate my fucking show. Love to hear it. I'll even read it. I would rather read why you hate my show than why you love my show. <laughs> so with that being said, let's get back to it, man. So you you wrote your first book. You don't recommend people to go write it, but it is something that was channeled. Yeah, was channeled. I mean, 
So now I'm it's, interested it's in reading for everyone, man. It's like I didn't even. I was gonna put. I have. A, I have two copies left right now. I have to update my website for my stock. I have two copies left until I reorder. I was gonna put it here, and I was even just like, you know what? No. <laughs> no. It's well, not yeah, for everyone. Man. I, it's a psychedelic experience. Um, my book has caused people to have spiritual awakenings, um, and my book has caused someone to go into uh, premature labor. Um, I've I've had two occurrences of that before. Um, my book has also had someone end up either they became schizophrenic or they became a targeted individual. Um, but they lost their mind after reading my book. Um, and my book changes people sometimes. So I, I had a really old man who's a great man um, in the hip hop world. He's a big supporter of a lot of people. And he's read my book and he he's like 80, 80 years old now. And he loves it. He says he gets more from it every time he reads it. And I feel like the same way when I read it, like I'm blown away that I, that came from my hands somehow, <laughs> but it, it, it's a psychedelic experience. Yeah. It's I definitely weird. want to read this book, man, because I remember when I was going through the occult time of my life and really diving deep into the shit and I was writing lyrics and I would be overtaken and I would go into the booth and I would record. And while I was editing what I recorded, somehow I would take back control of my body. And I'm listening to what I just recorded. And I'm like, I didn't write that shit. What the, f where did this come from? Oh, yeah. Like my song Coffee is a song about the most major spiritual awakening I had. Um, when I reached like a certain like special stage, when you get back off the mountain with your heart and it's like a very comforting and amazing experience. And when I woke up the morning after that, that's that song coffee. And like in my first book, after that, I was finally able to write the final chapter and finish the book. And it was a huge moment in my life, probably like one of the most important moments of my entire life. And then, so I had the song coffee all ready to go and like the lyrics written out. And I like, I found that version at one point in time. But when I decided to record that song, which like I'm a novelty band, like all my songs are silly. Like, I don't know why anyone listens to me. They're just occult <laughs> secrets and silly songs. Like that's what I do. Oh, I like <laughs> and it. It's like, well, thank you. But it's like, so, that song ended up being a, a complete off the top. It doesn't sound anything like anything I actually wrote for that song. I'm utterly shocked. Like it's it, like the lyrics blow me away. And it's like, that's what that ended up being. It's just like, Oh yeah, I want to do coffee. But then something took over me and I sung a completely different song than what I wrote, you know, and I had practiced and memorized. And it was just like, what, what was that? I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious because on one of the songs where I clearly know that it was not me that wrote and performed the recording of that, I clearly know that it wasn't me. I went back and I listened to it backwards and there was a lot of backwards masking in that song. Ooh. See, like the cube itself causes that to happen. And then when the mundane gods work through us, as well as with their holy guardian angels when they do it it's way more pure for us obviously you don't really want to mess with the mundane gods in my opinion um but like 
when you channel through these these ways, man, it it becomes something profound. And I'm talking about this with some other major artists these days because I am super blessed to be able to offer my experiences and perspective on a lot of spiritual experiences because I've had a bunch of them to uh, other musicians, especially ones who are like getting successful and becoming very successful here soon as well. Um, and they, they channel, you know, they get into these trances where they write a whole song and complete the whole song and the artwork and so much gets done in a night. It just keeps going and it keeps going. And it's like, you snap out it at three in the morning and you're like, how did that happen? Right. Like with me and my and brain. You have, like a video, you have like a video storyboard and everything written out. Oh, <laughs> like, dude. Okay, the last time this happened to me was when I wrote um, my last like classical music pieces. So like the first classical music piece that I put out, Goodbye, I Love You. It's because of the last annual general meeting for SOCAN, which is like a professional rights organization here in Canada. Like I'm on part of BMI in the States, but it's through SOCAN here. So at our AGM, they removed classical and classical, the wording classical and the classical seat from their chair, like head thing out of it all. They voted out classical for audio visual music. And I was choked. And a lot of classical musicians like who were there was choked, you know, and it like definitely seemed like a money grab situation for where like they're getting because Netflix paid us like $5 million for reproductive rights music. So Netflix played the Canadian government to pay Canadian official musicians $5 million uh, last year uh, for reproductive rights music. And so reprodu- so reproductive up. rights money is uh, your music money in Canada. Like if you're making money from the government uh, in Canada right now, uh, which I don't, <laughs> but like if you are and getting grants from them, like, it's the same money as reproductive rights money right now for advertising for the whole agenda for that. And it's the same money right now, which is insane. I'm like, I was shocked when I found that out, but that's why they removed classical music from, from all the professional rights organizational wordings and everything. So I was choked and I knew I had to register a classical song with SoCan before I died, I was like, this has to get done. And so I literally was looking at not this monitor, but uh, the third monitor here, not this one either, but this one. I was looking at this monitor and not my hands. And like, I didn't really know how to play piano. Like, I don't remember anything. I took lessons since I was a kid. I was at a certain grade or whatever, but I've hit my head a bunch of times. And like, (laughs) now it's like, yeah, I mean, like, can you stop playing? And like, So I just played stuff with like my one hand and like was looking here and some stuff at two, but like that just happened. Like, and it did, I did the entire classical song listening to the metronome. Uh, I, it's like, I have no idea. Like, I don't even know how that happened. I did the artwork. I recorded that. And then I made a music video for it. So, and then I did artwork for the music video for YouTube and then artwork for the actual song for like Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. And then Apple Music rejected it because they don't even accept classical music anymore either. Go what? figure, right? Oh, yeah. So you can't upload any classical music to Spotify. Or not Spotify. Apple Music or iTunes anymore. They've what if you relabel it? Is it? 
What if you relabel it as experimental? I could, but I wanted to make sure I was actually releasing music as a composer, as an official composer and registering with SoCan as a composed music. And that I use BBC Orchestra's Symphony plugin for it uh, that I own. So it's like all official, like that, their sounds and it's BBC's Symphony Orchestra playing this. And when I actually composed it and wrote it all, like I made sure it was the violins sound like violins and are playable by violins. And I know how many violins I need to be able to play those pieces. And like I had a violin in the house for a lot of years. So I like understand violin, even though I'm like, can't really play it, you know, maybe like cat and the fiddle on it or something. But like, like tell uh, everybody like, they're like, are you are you good at playing instruments? And I'm like, uh, I can you. play every single instrument, just not very well. <laughs> I'm a multi instrumentalist, <laughs> but I'm a beginner at all of them. Exactly. I can pick anything up and actually play it, and you'd be like, oh shit, he knows how to play it. And then I'll be like, here you go, because that's all I know. <laughs> but like that's but, the thing is like I don't know how that whole last thing worked out for me like all of a sudden because I had a feeling in my heart and it like irked me a bit and I was like I said it out loud I was like I have to write a classical music piece and register with SoCan as a classical music piece and then I had to put my like full name out there and become a composer and then I put my pen name on it too because I mean my pen name is KNLN that's like my two angels Enki and Enlil but seen in a mirror <laughs> and it's like, that's who that is. So I'm like, okay, KNLN, that's who obviously wrote my classical music because I didn't, it apparently sounds like real classical music. A lot of people are quite impressed, including myself. Nice. I'm shocked that it even happened. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it actually sounds like real classical music, but I channeled it. Like I do, I barely right. remember, did, barely did you remember making it on it. purpose or did it just happen? Because what I'm happened was, is I was sitting in front of my computer and I usually have my digital audio workstation open and I was just trying to watch a science uh, video, some Nile red actually changing paint thinner into like cherry soda or something. I think is what I was watching, but I was just trying to relax and I relaxed to that. And then I don't even know what, what happened. The next thing I know I had closed that and I was in the DAW and I was a few tracks in. And then the next thing I know I was like working on it. Like for me, how I watched that happen inside me was just a couple blips of me seeing progress getting done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, that's how I remember it. But it was like, three in the morning so, all of a sudden I need to go outside and have some tobacco offering and chill my tits because like yeah. I'm seeing stars I'm seeing red and blue splotches in my vision you oh, know yeah. I'm seeing like lights and color lights and stuff like blinking around the room and like shadowy shapes now moving around the room and it's like oh my lord I need water and I need to burn some tobacco and give thanks and then that's usually when it starts clicking and how much I finished and it's like, I got to listen to this now. And then I'm listening to it outside, usually like video calling one of my bros being like, how, how did I do all this right now? I feel like I'm going to vomit. And but this is what I was getting to before. So like the musicians, I'm warning about this now, like doing these practices, as well as doing these breathing exercises, practices I was bringing up before, they're really bad on your health, like really bad on your health. Like not only are you avoiding your body 
while you're doing these and obviously in some bad positions sometimes, but like you are draining like spiritual life force from your body when you are doing these practices in order to have like these experiences and like channel like that and it's considered counterclockwise magic right and then like so clockwise magic is health style magic sage magic where you're really focusing on the opposite of these things and giving thanks to the mother in order to have like healing to your body and making sure your body's actually like receiving offer like light energy as well and like the electromagnetic spectrum out there so we can actually like repair ourselves and like get healthy again so it's it's a big thing and people don't realize this you know like a lot of artists can get really drained from channeling too much you know putting out too much music we see we see it a lot actually and and i can tell usually when certain artists are drained of that um i watched kesha go through her ups and downs through channeling uh, she was one of the main artists that I looked at as my channeling um, guide because she was able to channel her her spirit guides whenever she needed them. And now I, I'm to the point where like I don't trust those guides. I think they're nefarious and and I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Um, and we got we got kind of off track. Um, but you were talking about how like you overcame or you were overcome and, and these songs just came out of you. And I mentioned what, a certain the book, time. The book got to it. Well, the book as well. When I was little, I remember I mean, this may have been kindergarten, first grade ish, maybe even preschool. And my mom went to go visit one of her high school friends. <laughs> and um, cause she was in town visiting and I remember there being a piano there and my mom putting me in front of the piano and I just started playing like amazingly. And both of them were like, Whoa, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and they were like, Brad, how did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. And they were like, can you keep doing it? And I was like, yeah. And I just kept doing it. Oh really? And you were able to keep going. Yeah. Even after that. And then Years and years later, I get a Triton keyboard and I've gone into those. It's not every single time where I'm, I like put my fingers on the keys, but there's definitely designated times where I'm overtaken and it's just the most beautiful fucking music that comes out of me. Now I know yeah. what those were and it kind of scares me, but um, to backtrack <laughs> a lot because we did go off way off subject we were I was talking thinking about, talk, talking about the cult we were talking about the cult but we started talking about like um uh different timelines and realities yes. and being able to open up dimensions and shit like that and i was curious if you were familiar with quasi crystals and i did play this on a previous episode so i just had to pull it up and re-upload it because I, I think this is something I want you to see and I kind of want your take on this. So I won't yeah. be able to hear you while this video is playing. It's a minute and 19 seconds long. Why is no one talking about us potentially switching timelines? This is part two of the series. Now, all of y'all remember Toy Story, right? Mm. One second. <laughs> When you pull Woody's string, he says, there's a snake in my boot, right? Well, now it's strangely, there's a snake in my boots. All I can do is... There's a snake in my boots! 
that doesn't even make sense. And this man supposedly caught the timeline shifting on camera. Now, here's a crazy one. When you think of Abraham Lincoln, you think of a guy with a tall hat, right? Where are all the images of him with hats? He has no hats in none of his pictures. Where did it go? I thought I was crazy, but weird things are happening right before our eyes. Have you ever watched the SpongeBob movie? You know, the Goofy Goober song? I distinctly remember SpongeBob having a white guitar. Now, all of a sudden, it's a peanut? I can't be the only one tripping about this. Also, does anybody remember Popstick Popsicles? You know how they used to have all of our favorite cartoon characters? Well, I distinctly remember there being a Boots Popsicle with the messed up bubblegum eyes and all. But guess what? Apparently, it never existed. So, that was, that was some, um, I actually didn't even mean to play that video, but it still kind of goes in ties with it. I downloaded the wrong fucking video. I meant to <laughs> look at the video about quasi crystals, but we were talking about CERN and how it might be having some effects on uh, what we call the Mandela effect. I'm curious, mm-hmm. where did the Mandela effect even start? Obviously it's called the Mandela effect because a lot of people remember um, Nelson Mandela dying yeah. in prison. And then um, a lot of people remember the timeline that we're at now. And so I think, was, um, I think it was studied before then they got popularized with that. So I do believe that it was already something that was noticed and studied a little bit before then. Okay. So I'm just curious why it has such a, huge following like somebody made this popular like where did this become such a big thing because in the community um in the community of conspiracy it seems to be a big topic and a lot of these big topic things like mandela effect and project blue beam um what's another one um Those are the two main ones where I'm like, yo, these could be a purposeful psyops to our community. Oh, Project Bluebeam is an interesting one. Um, But that's definitely real tech. Like, so our 5G towers definitely have the capability to produce holograms. You know, do we actually have the computing power to run those holograms or at a mass scale yet? No, you know, like not definitely not when they got put up. Maybe by the time they need to use them for something potentially, but well, we definitely are to able say? to. Well, we're able do to do to holograms that can create sounds and you can feel right. So oh, we absolutely. are able to do that. You know, like that's, we've that's seen incredible holograms. My thing is, if Project Bluebeam isn't something that they're capable of doing yet, then why? the push for an alien disclosure. That's an easy one. They have to change the world somehow. Like, how are you going to like ever be able to change the world without some sort of alien, uh, like invasion or like something. Right. 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 So have corporations and billionaires and people who are playing by the game, you know, and it's the game that got set up a while ago. And you now have families and people and livelihoods and so much that is riding 
on these families. So I got some static or something going on. Because we have so much riding on these families that you can't just undo this. Like if we had technology that was like anti-grav technology or like cast an effect, um, permanent magnet, you know, like permanent magnet energy from a permanent magnet that you can like constantly get perpetual energy from, which like my one PhD bro is literally working on that kind of stuff. And like, this is like real like tech that they say that like the U S government has like that would be unveiled with this alien invasion. So if we all of a sudden wanted to get the entire world off of all the types of power plants and cars and gasoline that we're using and burning and all this kind of stuff and switch us to a one world government where we don't have people laundering money through different countries and we don't have like country to country people like hiding in different countries to get away with war crimes and pedophilia and sex trafficking and like all this kind of horrible shit, right? How do you push that through? Like if you fake a global alien invasion, you have an excuse to shut off the power grid, reset the financial system, have a one world government. You can also basically have those aliens tell us anything. And they've been priming us for years saying that aliens don't want to be here because humans are not good enough and we're still fighting amongst ourselves. We're still burning oil and you know what I mean? So as soon as we have aliens show up, and all the governments are saying it's real, those aliens can tell us, we're going to kill all of you guys unless you create a one world government and a one financial currency system. And whatever those aliens say, now all of a sudden everyone has to listen because those aliens could just annihilate us. You right. know what I mean? And, and Reagan, said that. Reagan said that exact thing in a famous speech where he was like some sometimes i wonder how quickly we would put away our differences if we were faced with an out outerly world threat and um so no i totally see the reason for them doing it and how it would get everybody on board it's a brilliant fucking plan really it is the most tyrannical brilliant fucking plan ever but do they have the technology and the capability to do this right now? I think they do. And I think that they're pushing, they're pushing towards it because they're having these so-called whistleblowers come out and they're not whistleblowers. You know, a whistleblower when you see them because they're not on any mainstream media. That's how, you know, a whistleblower when you see them, when they have to leave the country because they're in fear of being imprisoned. That's when you know a whistleblower when you see them. When they when they end up on a fucking headline and they're friends with a Clinton and uh, they shot themselves in the back of the head fucking three or four times with a fucking shotgun, that's when you know they're a real whistleblower. <laughs> and so yeah. when you have these people that are coming out on mainstream media is claiming to be whistleblowers and going on nothing but big head name shows... I have a hard time believing what these people are saying other than the fact that they're pushing an agenda to get the public on board with the fact that aliens are real. And uh, so when they do stage this fake event, that people will fall for it a lot easier. And the, 
biggest issue I have with this in thinking that it might actually happen because I'm about 80% on board that they're going to push this forward. The only reason I don't think that they wouldn't is because they don't have the technology to pull it off. Yeah. Well, I think the technology is there, but it's about the infrastructure with the tech. You know what I mean? In order to actually power everything that they need to power and not have any issues with it, be able to like really categorically control every single aspect so they can actually use it to control a narrative. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's totally. Like, it's, it's the but same they, way that they, like there's a lot of fake Mandela effect things out there. And they're there trying to too. like push, like they're even, just trying to like push things more. Even with the Berenstein, Berenstein things. And uh, that video I just showed, it showed a guy walking in and out of a doorway and it was changing from Berenstein to Berenstein. However, I actually dug into that particular Mandela effect and there was, mm-hmm. uh, there was, uh, not a lawsuit, but there was a copyright um, law that it expired. So they actually changed their name from Berenstein to Berenstein in order to be able to keep printing books. And it was close enough to where people wouldn't really notice the difference. So both actually did fucking exist. Yeah, both existed and both did get printed. Yeah, that's a lot of that stuff is like that. Um, I was trying and to people find just here. remember things differently, right? Because you're like, do you remember it as Berenstein or Berenstein? <laughs> and there's a 50 50 percent chance that people are going to remember one way or the other, and you're going to be like, see, me too. But it's not, it's actually Berenstein, and people are like, what the fuck? No way. Well, it's but like it's- if if anyone can create anything to cause more division these days they're going to do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's just seems what the people who are just under the top ring that we can observe at least are doing, you know, they're really trying to cause as much division between us. And I do feel it's for a good reason because they're powerless against so many corporations. I think they're dividing us. So that way we go and attack things like Balenciaga. You know what I mean? They're dividing us so we're getting so riled up about topics, but instead of actually having us fight amongst each other or, you know, in a civil war or like a war between two countries to make us all wake up and like rewrite history and change things, I swear I think they're using it to out out all of the worst corporations and people and companies and rally the people to like stop supporting them because they, I think they're really powerless to stop these people themselves. I can kind of see that with Balenciaga because when that all happened and it was happening, I was like, wow, this is a controlled demolition. I was like, they they want this to happen because there's so many other branches of Balenciaga that are thriving right now. And it's the same exact owners, the same exact corporation. And it's only attacking this one brand, right? And then we have Kim Kardashian who was one of the head spokesperson for that brand. And she was kind of not saying anything about the situation. And I feel that was because she was waiting for 
Because she's like one of the head witches in the coven, right? Her her family is one of the head witch covens there is. And so they were waiting for the demonic other side to let her know, okay, back off or double down. That's why she was so silent for so long. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, it's, bro, it's really scary whatever they're doing. And I mean... From my perspective, the more I look at it, I do feel that the people who are in actual charge are good. You know, you can't really build your foundation on something that is flimsy like sand and be able to still have life going on for you, especially in any good sense, like the karmic laws here and like the laws of God, you know, like you're not going to be able to maintain your tower if you're building it on like a bunch of false shit like if you're building your tower on god and consciousness you're going to be able to like stand tall on it like these people who are at these elite levels like most of them are actors now they're playing a very dangerous psyop game to change the way the people think before the next deluge happens and i don't agree with their plan like as soon as i found out about a lot of the plan you know, before 2018, essentially for me, I didn't like it. I didn't agree with it and I didn't want to be a part of it. And it's, it's a good plan and it will work. <laughs> you know, that's the other side of it is. And I am powerless to have a part in it. You know what I mean? I can't change what the government, especially like NATO or the round table, who's like in charge of all like the actual secret societies at the core. Like I can't influence what these guys are doing. Like you kind of can though, by having this discussion with me, the thousands of people, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was going to lead up to to this podcast. They're going to talk to a couple people. And so that just doubled like all in all, it's making a difference. Just having this conversation right now. And Mm -hmm. you know what, brother, my podcast only run an hour and a half and we're running on a an hour and yeah, I noticed that right when now. we passed an hour and a half. I so was here's like, what's wow. up. Here's what's up. This uh, this conversation has to continue. And while you're on air with me right now, what does what does a week from today look like for you next Tuesday night? Same time. Same bad time. Same bad channel. That is a that is the first. Um, because it's the first, I do actually have to look at my schedule. There's a possibility there, one way or the other. Um, but like, yeah, like, so think of it this though, like everything in your life is karmically balanced. You know, these people who are in power have some pretty hardcore and strong decisions they're making. And obviously they're not the same kind of level of right or wrong that me and you are choosing between. If they were truly bad people, I believe they would topple. You know what I mean? Like it's, I karmically believe they would topple. All right. So according to this phone, Tuesday, I'm good, man. So same bad time, same bad channel. Same bad time, same bad channel. We have much more to talk on. And actually, I have a feeling that that isn't even going to be enough. We're going to have to schedule a fucking (laughs) prequel and get you on for a third time, man. Let's do a quick little rehab here. What did we leave off on? And then where are we picking it up next week for in your mind, at least? 
Well, I am going to edit this, so I'll have a much better idea and we can talk about that offline. But um, basically, man, we started with your awakening, with your uh, your journey from growing up in a situation that most of my listeners didn't grow up in. So this is going to be very interesting to them. I myself didn't grow up in that 1%. However, I had friends that were in that 1%. So I experienced the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. So I'm kind of blessed in that sense. And, you know, your occultic knowledge, your knowledge, just being fucking amazingly smart at everything, writing books, which we didn't really (laughs) even get into too much your music we didn't get too much into but we did touch the fucking tip of the iceberg you fucking crushed it bro and next week when you come on it's going to be even crazier and uh there's actually a couple um roundtable shows that i do with some people and i think that you might make an interesting addition to for to join in for an episode or two so we'd love to get that uh going with you but for the meantime man tell everybody who you are what it is that you do and other than scrolling down right now and clicking on that link you have a link tree right i do not have a link tree but i have a website okay so scroll down right now and click on that website and then he's going to tell you where else you can find him well yeah so my website there is fawns dot Dot com. I also have .ca if you're Canadian. I'm Fonz Dot or just the Fonz period with a period at the end because I'm the Fonz. My actual name that people know me by is Happy. Happy Days, Happy Fonz. Pretty easy to remember. My pen name is KNLN. I mean, you can find me everywhere online as F-O-N-Z-D-O-T. I own all those handles pretty much. But I mean, like I make music, I write books, but mostly I'm just a human like you who loves learning and sharing my perspective openly. And that's why I'm here, man. I just, thank you so much for having me here. I just love chatting and loving life and learning more. No, bro. It was really fucking good getting to know you. And I cannot wait until we get to talk again. I'm really looking forward to next week, bro. You came, you crushed. I learned so much from you and I can't wait to learn more. And everybody you know what time it is. Please go check out whiterabbitpodcast.com for all your fire merch. Become a walking meme. Become a fucking walking uh, punchline. When people look at you, either you're going to see them laugh and you're going to know that's your people or they're going to look at you and shake their head in disgust and you're going to know that that's an NPC and you don't want anything to fucking do with them. So go get your fucking Spaces Fake and Gay shirt or whatever cool ass shit that I got at whiterabbitpodcast.com. Give us a five star, maybe even leave a review. And don't forget to go check out my boy Fonz Dot. He is obviously fucking doing some amazing shit. And I can't wait to talk to you again, brother. And everybody, you know what it is. Keep diving down those rabbit holes. I would never bend my knee to Satan. I would never sell myself with no paper. You can go ahead and call me a hater, but I'll go ahead and call you a traitor. Hey, Hollywood is getting canceled. I put God over financials. Just know that I never kill myself if they try to use me as a damn example. Hey, first Lil Nas, now Sam Smith. Satan coming for the damn kids. These rappers and singers are puppets. The second the label give them their advances, God is forgiven. We were all made in His image. That's why He told me to remix this. Every nation demoralization while we celebrating what people are sinning. Don't care if you trans. Nah, 
Or you a man who in love with a man But if you're gonna cover your nipples with tassels And leave the kids alone and just do only fans I just can't stand all the lies of the media Pushing these kids, they ain't standing a chance Hollywood pushes agendas with all of these artists I swear that they industry's plans All of these fallacies that they're preaching this way That there's no more objective reality Go ahead, laugh at me But I think that you worship and saying is more of a tragedy They sold out our nation for more dough That's why I don't watch award shows Celebrity puppets, we're living in luxury All of our business will force close Allah, Jehovah, Hashem, Yahweh, you can call him whatever you do But worshiping Satan with the purpose of angering God Well, that's just gonna make you a fool